Romans 8, 29. For whom he knew, whom he foreknew, so God knew you before you came. He knew everybody before they gave their life to him, but before you were, he foreknew you. He knew you were coming. Accident in man's eyes is not an accident in God's eyes. I've seen parents treat kids ill because they were not part of their program. They were still foreknown by God. Though they got twisted and shaped wrong by the ill-advised, ignorant person yielding to wrong, you know, I know my mom growing up, we had a neighbor um, that the lady is a great, great lady. And, and just really wonderful, and her husband liked us, but he wasn't always real wonderful. That's nice, saying it nice. Well, the wife got pregnant. Now, we're adults in here, so I'm thinking if she got pregnant, somehow they got close enough to each other. And he might have been involved. I have heard of some stories in the Bible where that didn't happen one time, and then there were rumors years ago that it could happen from a toilet seat. We've learned that don't work, that ain't true. So I'm thinking he got so close, he was involved in this thing, and he was part of the problem. Either his pants fell off or he took them off, but they got involved. So he said, oh, you're just being crude. No, I'm being just flat honest. He was part of the issue, I was going to say problem, she gets pregnant. I'm not going to the hospital. You know who went there for the deliverance of the delivery of the, the deliverance? <laughs> Damien Omen was the child's name. No, my mom did, not the husband. I'm not going. I didn't want him. Well, then you shouldn't have been having sex. He, he was part of the pro program, so she went. But that child was foreknown, regardless of how the, the father was going to treat him. Long before they did what they did, he was foreknown. God knew that child's coming. And, and so now there's a shaping of a child. But God foreknew and had a plan. And this is the same thing with you. No matter how you were shaped, no matter how you've been shaped, how things have happened in your life, what we're about to read is God's design for you. And you say, well, we're talking about healing, and I think I know this verse. But that's why I said you may hear something, see something in a light you didn't see before. But it's factual. For whom he foreknew, he knows who the Antichrist is. And it's, I don't believe it's the current president. He, knew, he knows what's going to happen in the future. He doesn't endorse it. All of it doesn't make it happen, but man does their part and, you know, so on and so forth. But he for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. <clears throat> so what is predestination? Is, you know, because people talk about predestination, but this verse right here is going to tell us that even though God predetermines, it doesn't always happen. So he predestines only a certain amount of people to be saved. No. He, his pre-desired destination for everybody is God wills that 
none perish. But all come to repentance. All come to the knowledge of the truth. All get saved. But then at the same time, he said, broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life, and few there are. It's restricted that we'll go in. It's restricted. Jesus is the only way. That's restricting to people. But everybody can pass that way. But not everybody wants to. But is it God's goal and design that they pass that way? Yes. He's predestined. He's prepaid. It's his design. He wants that to happen. This is what he wants for his people. And I believe by what I see in here, you know, we're, we're saved as far as I know. This is a believer's meeting. There, you know, could be somebody. But if we are, we're predestined. Foreknown, predestined. This is you. This is me. To be conformed. To take on the shape, the image, everything. To be conformed to the image of of his son. Let's say it like this because it, it, it will maybe do something to you a little different. To be conformed to the image of Jesus. To Jesus. To take on the shape and the image and be conformed to Jesus. Well, the only stuff we have about Jesus living an earthly life we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We don't see his early days. We see very little of it. He was an obedient child and so on and so forth. But we see primarily from the time he was filled with the Spirit and did earthly ministry for three and a half years until he died and then was risen from the dead. So there is an image there. Isn't there? There's an image. Now, I'm not going to talk about all of it, but there was a certain image if you looked at Jesus, you would not say he was not a master over the elements. Would you? No. Say he was a master over the elements. You would not say he was not a master over demons. You'd say he, he was a master over demons. You would not say he was not a master over sickness and disease. And where he could, he exercised that mastery. Right? Some people, there was unbelief. Though he mastered it, he couldn't always master it in people. But all the people had to do was cooperate, and he mastered sickness. Constantly mastering sickness and mastering sin. He was tempted. He mastered it. He was the master of it. He would resist it. He'd stand against it. He was 40 days in the wilderness. That wasn't the only time he was tempted. But it was a time he... It was explained, the temptation, and he mastered it. Now, we're to be conformed to his image. So, if we're to be conformed to his image, how many of you saw people come to your house during Halloween? Half of Patsy, she flipped her pin backwards. Nobody else had people come to your house? Oh, a couple more people. Anybody see anybody in a costume? Some point. In the two, three days before. No. How many of you go out in public besides coming to church? <laughs> Nobody. There we go. Oh, one person. I knew there was a catch. Maybe we'll just change what we're going to talk about here. Um, 
because obviously we're not getting out enough. But, you know, if you've ever watched a TV program and a person had a Halloween costume or you saw an ad in a paper and you saw a Halloween costume, and would you know if somebody was dressed like Wonder Woman? You say, oh, oh they're, they look like Wonder Woman, right? And you ever seen somebody and you thought, I wonder what they're dressed like? You're like, oh, what are you? You're like, oh, you're Wonder Woman, you're... Incredible Hulk is a green and green shirt and green, you know, little kid and green hair, little puffy stuff under a shirt. You know, the Incredible Hulk. And, and, and what are you? Why would you ask what are you? Because that image doesn't match something you know. Right? But if, if, and how many people have seen Wonder Woman, the movie? Obviously Amber, because she stood up like that. <laughs> But you saw Wonder Woman. How many thought, I didn't ever see it. I heard it was a good movie. How many thought it was a good movie? Some people thought it was a good movie. How many have ever seen a movie like that and thought, it'd be cool to do that? Oh, now we get the honest people. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, Spider-Man's cool. You know, I mean, I'm cool with running up the side of a building. You know, and what brings out the desire then to dress like him at Halloween? Or in your pajamas? You're like, oh, well, I got some of those. <laughs> but, but it shows an image, right? And that image tells you something. And, and it tells us about that person. It tells what they do, how they are, and, and that. So we're all called to be conformed to the image of Jesus, and he was a master. He was patient, he was kind, he was luck, but he was a master. And what's interesting he tried to get his disciples and the people who followed him, not just the 12, not just the 70, when somebody else did it on their own and the disciples said, you can't do that. He said, leave him alone. Sure he can. What was he, they were doing? They were starting to take on some of the image. <clears throat> right? Go out and do this. Go out and do this. Go out and do that. And they went out and then they actually went beyond his instructions. You know that in Luke 10? Because they came back and said, hey, even the demons are subject. And he said, yeah, no big deal. But don't just rejoice in that. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Yeah, of course. Well, how would they, was that strange to Jesus? Was that strange for Jesus' ministry? No, no, it wasn't. They knew it, and they, they were only going out to do part, and they ended up doing more, and they found out they could do what Jesus was doing. And, and what's interesting, when the world described them later on in the book of Acts, they said, uh, we could tell they had been with Jesus. Why? They were wearing the same clothes. They were, no, they were carrying out things. They were taking on the image, the boldness, the authority, so if God wants us to be conformed to his image, then he wants us to walk in similar paths as Jesus, right? We've said this verse before. Peter said uh, that he gave us an example of how we ought to live. So that's the image we're to take on. So, so that being said, one of the areas is, has to do with health or sickness or disease and dealing with these things you with me and there's a ton like i said so what i want to do is lay some groundwork today but enough so just to let you know hey if this is the image jesus portrayed this is the image he wants for you 
right? I mean, we know because we can look back at him. We don't have to look at us. We have to look at him to know, are we, you know, somebody who sculpts, you know, a sculptor, and they sculpt things. There's people in Vegas that, you know, some of those little street vendors, and I'm sure they're like in the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica or different places, and they, get, they make these little clay heads, and they shape them, and they do them. And I, they fa- that fascinates me because I like art and I like stuff like that. And uh, they'll sit there and they'll work and they'll work and they'll work and they'll dig and with the clay and they're shaping and there's somebody sitting right there. And if you'll sit and watch long enough, they will shape it and you're like, that is their image. How, how would you know? Because you look at the one and you go, they look alike. Is the clay the person? No. No, we are not Jesus, but he wants us to have the same image. And what kind of image is that? It's what he did in the earth and, you know, how he acted and so on. So it's important for us to know he's called us to this place. It's not even a dispute really is healing for today or not. Because if healing is not for today, then that image is not for today. Couldn't be. Because how could you be conformed to his image but not do, act, walk in the things he walked in? How could you? Jesus said before he left, he said, the works that I do, you will do also in John 14. And greater works than these will will you do. Because I go unto my Father. That tells us his intercession and pleading on your behalf causes him to back you in this venture that we're talking about. So he said, whatever you command in my name, I will do it. We're not commanding him. We're commanding circumstances like they did in the book of Acts in his name, and he'll back it. Well, what would that show? It would show a ministry or a lifestyle like Jesus wouldn't it? So, so we may not be there, but we need to know how to get there, right? And, and I've sat and watched those people, and the further they went sculpting, I went, oh, they're getting closer. They're, they're looking more like. And then they do a couple things, you're like, wow, that looks like them. You with me? And so we're to be conformed. Turn to, to um, let's read that one more time. Uh, I had already turned, so I've got to turn back there. I want to read it one more time. Understand this. In this context of Romans 8.29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He foreknew us. He predestined us to be conformed to his image, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He has called us to be conformed. What's interesting is everything he said after, too. He talked about no matter what comes against you in life, we can always triumph. Everything that came against Jesus, it mattered not what it was, he always triumphed when it came to him personally. When it comes to you personally, you can always triumph. 
And it's interesting that he said that because it portrays the life of Jesus. Jesus was not a martyr, you know, in the sense he even said this, nobody can take my life, I have to just lay it down. And he said, when I do, I'll take it back up again. I'll, I'll rise. And he did. And he talked on these terms, and then after he tells us about being predestined, he said, whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, these he also justified or declared like you've never sinned. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Then it goes on to talk about living a victorious life no matter what comes your way. So there is a way. And what he's trying to do, it, and, it, and, and you know this, this covers more than the subject we're targeting, right? More than that, more than physical healing, he was a master over the things that came to destroy him and work against him, right? The, the issue is, I will cower if I only depend on God, That sounds totally foreign. But if I only depend on God, God, do this. I'll cower. But if I start doing and knowing God will back me, I don't have to cower. How many people praying, oh, God, just do this and oh, and then we do, oh, we don't know, uh, we're afraid. Did the disciples act like this? They said, Lord, do this. They said, they've threatened us not to do this. Grant boldness that we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Because they were doing it before. And, and so what did they do? They didn't go out and say, oh, Lord, do this. They went out and started commanding in the name of Jesus, and the Lord backed them up. And so we need to understand we're more than conquerors. You're more than a conqueror. God has predestined you, but if you don't know, you're like, well, I'm waiting for God, but he's telling you, you resist temptation. You resist things. You stand against stuff. And as you do, you can walk through the open door. You with me? And so God wants us to be, have this image in ourselves and know this because it makes us realize I can do something and these things have to obey me. They have to obey you, every one of you. Period. They have to. Me? Yes, you. You. In other words, could you inherently have an ability that you don't even know about? And the truth is the key. Remember, one time Jesus spoke of the religious rulers, he, he rebuked them. He said, you have taken away the key. What is a key? Helps you enter, right? Go through a door. We wouldn't be in here if nobody had keys. But he said, you took away the key that caused people to enter. He said, you're not entering in, and those who would, you've taken the key away. But he told us what the key was. He said, you took away the key of knowledge. Knowledge is the key. What does a key do? Starts a car, opens the door, opens a gate. Keys open things. Keys allow you to go in. He said, you took away that. So what happens is we give you the knowledge. You might find out, oh, I, uh, what? I've already got? 
I'm going to give this a shot then. You with me? And we, I believe this, we have a lot more rights and abilities as a believer than maybe we know. Like, you know, the scripture we talked about this morning. His spirit wants to reveal what has already been given. So you could have something and know, I can actually stand against this. And some of us are strong people just naturally by will. You just take that and flip it on that thing and go, okay, now I'm standing. I resist you. I resist you. And then get your focus and keep it on the Lord, but we can resist and he'll flee. So turn with me to do this. Go to Romans, the first chapter. I want to read this, and then, then we'll maybe read one or two other scriptures. I think that's good for us to know we have a, a, have a right. Because, you know, when people don't know they have a right, they look for somebody else who they think has a right. And there's no problem with getting other people. But don't let it just be because you think, well, I don't have a right. God would never hear me. No, he will hear you. And it's his design to hear you. And he wants to. You just can't disqualify yourself and think, well, he just won't. You'd be surprised who he'll listen to. Oh, he won't listen to them. He won't listen. No, he will listen to you. You with me? He will. And some of you are probably just cocky enough to just give this a try. I'm going to just give I ain't going to show nobody. I ain't going to tell nobody. I'm gonna, uh, okay, I'm going to do this. And you're going to find out he'll back you up. And you'll find this could be the solution to, to some things you tried different ways, and it'll work. He, he, he designed you to be this way. It's, it's what he has, you know, you want to fulfill his plan for your life? This is it. Part of it. You know, it's not some big grandiose thing you do one day. This is what, to, to be this way is just how you are today. <clears throat> That's his plan. You ready? Romans, the first chapter. You know, um, Romans, the first chapter, I was going to quote a different verse, but I'm going to read this. Um, how do I get this operating? Understand this. What have we been doing this whole time? We have been hearing knowledge. What is inherent in God's knowledge? <clears throat> what could God's knowledge do that is... You, you've come here to let things trickle into your ears, get all down in there. Once they get in your ears, it gets in your mind and it gets down in your heart. When you hear immediately, it gets in your heart. You just have to determine to hold on to it because the enemy will come to take the word. How will he do it? That won't work for you. Oh, okay. Well, you just haven't been good enough. And you just let go of it. And that's not even the truth. Because then, how good do you have to be? Because he'll just move the steps up higher and higher and higher. You're getting closer. Wait a minute. How perfect was Peter when he preached the first day of the church after he just denied the Lord three times and then cussed? <clears throat> Well, praise the Lord. 
not trying to say we can be imperfect and we should just strive to be imperfect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying don't disqualify yourself. <clears throat> you with me? Romans 1. Because it's not just you. It's just not your ability. It's you acting on an inherent ability that you may have or is involved in these truths. Notice this Romans 1.16. Paul said this about himself. Paul did some wonderful things. Paul had many healings, miracles, was raised from the dead himself, let alone raising someone else and others from the dead. That's pretty good. You're raising others, and then you are raised. Stoned to death, raised right back up. But he made this statement, and some people say, well, Paul was an apostle, Paul was this, but Paul did not credit the miracles just because he was an apostle. Now, there are gifts and manifestations that accompany offices, but that wasn't the only way that miracles happened through him. They happened through this avenue, and he said it right here. Matter of fact, in, in Acts 14, the crippled man was healed this way who had never walked, was 40-something years like that. He walked this way. Though Paul later, or in Corinthians, the ninth chapter, he, he talked about the, the qualifications that, in, that said he was an apostle, and he said the things he had built, churches, the people he had shepherded, and the different things he had, the supernatural experience with the Lord, and the mighty signs and wonders and deeds that were wrought. But, there were other ways he ministered too. And that crippled man got it this way. This way we can all minister. But it takes the cooperation of others. But when it comes to just me, for me, I can do this. You ready? <clears throat> he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, which means good news of Christ, for it, it the good news is the power of God. Now that word power is the Greek word dynamis, or people say dunamis. It literally means strength, power, ability. It literally means inherent power. So the truth of the gospel has within itself inherent power. In a tea bag, there is inherent caffeine and, you know, different color change. If you get it into the right condition, what's in there seeps into the water, right? And it affects the taste, it affects the flavor, and everything. So we get the word, and there's stuff inherent in it. And when we meditate on it, it seeps into us. Notice this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, or the dunamis, literally the power it literally means this, this message has inherent power in itself. It literally means power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. There's power in the Word of God by virtue of its nature. What nature? These things proceeded from God. So there's inherent power there. You with me? If I had a stick of dynamite, I could throw it out to you. You could throw it back to me. You could drop it. It would be okay. There's inherent power there, but you light the fuse, put an igniter in there, and the whole program changes. 
right? And so there is inherent power in the word, and he literally means by virtue of its nature, because it's God's word, which a person or a thing exerts and puts forth. Power by for performing miracles is one of the definitions from the Greek. There's inherent power in the word to perform miracles. Moral power and excellence of soul is in the word. The power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. That sounds like all that God is in his riches and his wealth, that power backs and is inherent in his word. So notice he said, the gospel is the power or the inherent power of God to salvation. The word salvation means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from the molestation of enemies. What does it mean to molest, to hurt and harm? Jesus, the devil, tried to molest him. See, we think of it as a sexual thing, but that's not all that it meant. And so, you know, to inflict harm and ill and stuff that we don't want, when he, when the devil tried to molest him and said, you do this, you do that, you go this way, he took the power of the word, put it on his lips and started speaking it and started making, he started mastering the devil in his own life. Then when he did it in his own life, he went back into public ministry and started doing it. He used the power that was in the word. He said, it is written. Then the devil tried to trick him and go, yeah, but, and twisted some of the truth so that he'd go, yeah, you're right, and quit. But no, he said, no, but it's also written. Here you go. And then he got him to back up. He didn't allow him to be molested, himself to be molested by the enemy, to be picked on, to be bullied. He took the inherent power that was in the word and used it like a sword. But that power is the ability to perform miracles and everything else. And it's inherent in the word. So it literally means also these uh, words, this word is translated in other places, health. So this very word salvation in other parts of the Bible is literally translated health. So you could say the gospel is the power of God unto health. So then I would need the good news because there's inherent power for health in the word. It's inherent in the truth. Right? You put water in the soil to water your plants. Why don't you just put gasoline? Liquid is liquid. Why don't you just put paint thinner? Why don't you just put antifreeze? Any liquid you could find, why not window cleaner? You know, whatever liquid you have, liquid is liquid. No, there are inherent things and some things that are bad and in some other things that have good qualities. Isn't it true we go and how many know what smart water is at the store? And what does it mean? It's like got an IQ of 145. It's quite smart. It's tricky to get the lid off because the thing is so smart it doesn't want to be drank. No, 
it's infused with something, and the Word of God is infused with something, power to perform a miracle. And like I said, this word here is translated health, other places. So there's power to perform a miracle in the realm called or in the need of health. So I need to find those ones that have those vitamins, scriptures, that cover, that tell me, because there's inherent power that I could apply. Right? I could. You could. Only because you're predestined to be conformed to me. No. To the Lord. The areas you want to follow me are the areas I'm following the Lord. That's what Paul said. So what's the ultimate goal? If you're going to follow somebody, follow them in the areas where they follow the Lord. Right? And so Paul said that. So the areas you want to follow me are the areas I follow the Lord. But what's the ultimate goal? Follow the example of the Lord. And he was a master over these things. And he tried to teach his disciples to be masters over it. And they didn't always win out. And when they failed, they came back and said, Why could we not do that, Lord? And he said, the problem was this. Because, see, they had been getting results, and then one time they didn't, and then they didn't understand why they didn't, and he explained why. You with me? He was helping them to get to where when he was gone, they could do it. He, that's why he rebuked them for not rebuking the storm. Because when he was gone, they were going to have to rebuke storms on their own. When he wasn't in town, they were going to have to do it. That's why he sent them out on their own. Was he sending them out to get them all to come back, the 12 and then the 70 to come back and go, we couldn't do it. <laughs> That's why I sent you out, just to prove how good I am. No, he sent them out to get them active, to get them doing it. I mean, you'd be, you might be surprised if you just get bold and act at certain times. It doesn't mean you act for everybody. You with me? You know, I told that story of that person, but then when I was leaving the trip, there was another person who had fallen in a parking lot and was dizzy, and I thought, I wonder if I should pray for her. You know what I did? I got a breakfast burrito and went in the car and ate it while my gas was filling up the car. I said, oh, you did? Yeah. It wasn't the best burrito because I didn't leave it in the microwave that long. But it was satisfying because I knew I had to get somewhere. So do I feel like I have to do something for everybody? No, neither did Jesus. And you want me to tell you something about that girl? I didn't sense no power. I'd been fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping, you know, like I do here. And so I sensed God. There was times I don't talk like this, but there were times just in my own time, just spending time with him, and I don't use these terms normally, but they do identify. I was so filled with the Spirit, it was almost as if I was drunk. There was so much joy, I'd just be laughing, hard to stand, walking around. But when I went in there that morning, I went in to get breakfast. 
I wasn't feeling nothing. I had actually gone to the laundry mat and thrown laundry in this thing and thought I got this long to run over there and get back to put it in the dryer. I wasn't like, I'm so spiritual right now. Here's the thing. Some of us have enough that we could act on and act on and get all kinds of results. We might have been waiting for power. I didn't sense no power. The minute I put my hands on her, power started flowing. I said, ooh, glory to God. And then I started speaking, and it even got stronger. And that's when they were like, whoa. I left and said, well, that's because I'm special right there. I figure probably, they're probably going to put my picture up in the window. No. 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 What I'm saying is there probably are opportunities sitting around for us like that. And we've heard the word, and there's power in the word for a miracle. I just started speaking and said, in the name of Jesus. And it started saying, go, leave, be healed. And that power was as real to me spiritually as somebody pushing with a hand. When, that, when those words would go and that power would go out of my hand, I'd say it, and it was just like, uh, uh. I was like, it's driving this off. You with me? But there's in power, inherent power in God's words. I was just speaking words in line with his word. And just to change the subject, but to get, you know, because somebody might go like this. Yeah, but you already qualified that you have a certain anointing to do that. Yeah, and so do you. Because every believer has to have within them an inherent ability at some degree to minister some kind of tangible anointing to drive out sickness, or Jesus would not have given instructions to the disciples and said, whoever believes using my name, they will lay hands on the sick. Why would you lay hands on the sick if something wasn't transferred? All you would need to do is command in his name. Why? You would just command in his name. And there were times they commanded in his name. But he said, lay hands on and command in his name. That has to denote a transfer of something. So that means that every believer has some degree of spirit, Holy Spirit anointing power from God in them to put their hand on somebody and command in Jesus' name. And expect that that power will flow in some degree to be to prevail. Because he said, then they'll recover. That was a side thought. So, Proverbs 4. We got to hurry. We'll probably just end right here. Now remember, there's inherent power in the word. You can act immediately. You can walk in immediately. You don't have to wait a thousand years. We don't got a thousand years. We don't, not, not until later on. And then we've only got a thousand years. And so then you'd have to act right at the beginning of the millennium because then the thousand years get shorter every day that passes. I knew somebody said, what did you just say? It doesn't matter. I'm just saying you can act now and walk in God's best now.
right? You don't have to wait. Proverbs 4, and we'll end with this right here, but if you've noticed a theme, it's this. We've got the goods, and the knowledge of the truth has inherent power. You can get that inherent power to perform miracles outward, but to have miracles yourself too. Notice this. Proverbs 4.20, my son, my child, my daughter, my son, give, number one, give your attention to my words. According, if we, you know, if we blended that other scripture, you know, I have a blend of fabrics, fabric colors. So I have more blue here, and it's mixed with white here. So it's kind of a mixed color, right? It's not quite this and it's not quite that. It's in between. It's not real blue and it's not white. It's in between because there's a mix. If we mix these scriptures together, it will give us a true color of what he's saying. If there's inherent power in his word to do miracles and he said, my son, give attention to my words then you're giving attention to inherent power for miracles, health, deliverance, preservation, all the other stuff. So there's inherent power in it. So we, if we put those together and, and say, my son, my daughter, my child, give attention to my words, then we're giving attention to something that is inherent, possesses in itself real power to perform miracles. You... Or it. You and it. Because you play a role in doing. But don't think it's you. Because they ain't going to put your face up in a restaurant either. They tried to do that with Paul. Silas. You know, they, they, had, they had performed a miracle. A miracle had performed, been performed. And, and then the people said, oh, the gods have fallen down. I saw a video one time of an old Jesus movie where it showed, uh, you know, not Paul, uh, but Silas going, oh, that's kind of neat. They're wanting to worship me. I thought that is such a misrepresentation of the truth. They tore their clothes and said, we're men just like you. It's interesting. They tried to stone him a few minutes later and kill him. Isn't that wild? A miracle, then they love you, and then they hate you. Finicky. Crazy cats, them people, you know, because cats finicky. You'll get that later. Don't have time to explain. Um, but that being said, they tore their clothes and they said, we're men like you, don't worship. In other words, they realized that the, the actual working of this was God working with them. Don't think, wow, I'm somebody. <laughs> well, you are, but don't think like, oh, somebody. probably going to give me a good seat you know one time we had somebody in the church and I had ministered to him on a Sunday night service and they were coming the power of God went into him and I took their hands I said God will work and use you you know for healings you know and do this stuff you can you you, you can do this and I laid hands on a person power of God went into him they were on the cleaning team they were back doing the toilets or something and they found that this was not appropriate for them and they got a bad attitude and they said I, I've got a healing anointing I shouldn't be cleaning toilets oh no you probably should be laying hands on toilets for sure with that kind of attitude till that leaves
you need to get your hands all in them toilets. Maybe dunk your head a couple of times too, in Jesus' name only. And um, she got offended and left. And guess what miracle ministry she has today? None. Because you got to maintain a right attitude. You can't think, well, you know, now we got something going on. That is a for sure sign you hit the peak. You stay humble, you go up. Pride, you go down. If I don't like the direction I'm going, humble myself. Just become obedient. Just lower myself. Is there something inherent in that lady doing whatever she's doing? Yeah, but there ain't no miracles happening. There ain't no nothing. She's off being bitter. Missing God. Doesn't have to. But those toilets were above her. And she tried to exalt herself. Man, I've cleaned a number of toilets. I still come in and do stuff and stop and go, no, I shouldn't do that. Because it gives other people opportunity. But I'm cool with doing it. I remember when I left being a youth pastor. And so I, the church didn't know as a whole that I was leaving. There were some people who knew, you know, because they had sensed it and they'd come to me. So I remember I left doing youth, but the pastor told me, hey, it'd be good for you to stay on just more in a title and just be serving and stuff, even though you're going to be doing less and less stuff. But this way, it'll just keep you in the flow and tell you. And I didn't want to. And I, but I thought, this is good wisdom. So I did it. And it was so right. Amazing. It was right, and I didn't want to do it. And I did it, and I thought, this is right. So I moved that way. Just, just moved with it. Did it, and it was right. But here's what happened. One Wednesday night, I got there, and the ushers weren't there. So you think we just got problems with ushers? They did too. No, I'm kidding. He's out. Uh, there he is, the head of our ushers over here. You want to go ahead and stand up there, Kevin? No, he's like, great. No, we have great ushers. Well, go ahead and plug your ears real quick. No, no, we do. He's like, stop it. But it just so happened on a Wednesday night, the ushers, you know, they have jobs and stuff like that, and they hadn't got there yet, so there was stuff on the floor. So I pulled out the vacuum and just started vacuuming the lobby and down some areas and stuff, you know, and just doing that. Because they would have done it when they got there, but I was there, I was okay. Somebody walks in the door who served in the church. And they're like, oh, you've been promoted, demoted to this. I thought... They don't understand. Jesus said, if you can't serve, you can't go up. And he said, if you want to go up, you've got to be the servant of all. And I just thought to myself, it just needs to be done. It's okay. It's not above me. Now, at some point, it probably is. When there's a thousand people and I'm whipping out the vacuum because everybody else goes, I got to go find a seat, there's something wrong when I'm the dude getting up to preach. They're not respecting what God wants to do. Ooh, that was free. Because somebody's got to do it and it needs to get done as part of the body work. And, uh, but we just need to keep a right attitude because you're going to find where these opportunities are there and you get bold and you act, you're going to see something happen and you're going to be presented with something else besides a miracle, an opportunity to get lifted up or an opportunity to stay humble. And it's a battle. 
If you've ever dealt with depression, it's the opposite, but with the same ill effects. The Bible deals with this kind of stuff. One king finally got into his position. He said, when you were small in your own eyes, you were in good shape. But now he got lifted up and crashed. So it's not just be careful when you're down low. It's when you swing up and now you're going to see God do stuff because you'll be bold to act. You'll start seeing it. Be careful now not to get overly lifted up. Yeah, God did that through me. Yeah, we can praise and worship the hose too. Oh, the plants got watered through the hose. We worship you, hose. No, it was the water that did the real thing. You just happen to be the vessel. And you're going to get curled up and thrown out to the side and be out in the elements tonight anyway. So just be humble. Oh, I should be hung in the garage. You know, I, I should be hung up in the garage. I should, be, I should be in the living room. You should put a blanket over me. You know what I just did for your plants? No, you just transported water to the plants. I can't believe you just, you just at least put like some blocks down or something. You're just going to wind me up in the dirt now after all this, this wonderful miracle working power I transferred. You have to be careful. He told people, he said, when, because they were obeying, you obey. He said, when you obey and you give and you sow and you obey, he said, you're going to start to prosper. When you do, you better not forget me. Because what happened, they start getting lifted up within themselves. So there's warnings, you know, because a lot of people, they've only experienced the depression. They might have got the victory over that. Well, if you just keep traveling the right way, you're going to have an opportunity on the other side because you're going to start coming up above maybe the average of the crowd. Then you're going to need to be careful not to lift yourself up because you don't want to just go up and come back down. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that was great preaching. I know, just, that's wonderful. Thank you. But if you guys would stop your applause and just do it all at one time at the end, we could get through this. Okay? Proverbs 4, my son, give attention to my words because they are infused with dynamic miracle power. Where's the power? In the word. Notice, incline your ears to my saints. In other words, pay attention. Just read them. Look at them. Study them. Find them. Do not let them depart from your eyes. In other words, let them be the thing you entertain in your mind. He said, keep them in the midst of your heart. You hold on to them. You believe them. And then it goes on to say, keep them in the midst of your heart. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me go back to verse 21. And when he said, incline your ears to my saints, I skipped that at the end of 20. That means... You're going to hear two opinions. You're going to have to incline your ear to his. Right? You ever heard somebody say something? And they said, take out the trash. You got to incline your ear to that and go, okay, I accept that and act on it. That's what he's saying. Incline your ear to what I say. In other words, lean to what I say. And then he said, do not let them depart from your eyes. Think on them. That, let that be what you see at the end of the day, not your problems, not the situation. He said, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Notice all the implications are what we do with it. He said, for, verse 22, for they are life. You could say ability to those who find them. He said, seek and you will find. And health to all 
their flesh. Because there's inherent power. He's provided. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life or the thing you're needing. What you need comes from your heart, right? With the heart, man believes unto a miracle. What you need needs to come from there. So, that being said, I believe we'll stop right there. It gives us enough to act on. Here's the thing. Be careful that in our lives we may have adopted things that are inappropriate to healing. I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Stop it! That means you're focusing on the wrong thing. The word has departed from your eyes. You're looking at your body. You're looking at the circumstances. You just acted outside the word. You just let it escape. It's not before your eyes. Why? Because you're looking at your body. There's many things that people have adopted that have hindered them. So let's just stick to what we've got here and go, okay, let's just be innocent enough to just go, okay, have childlike faith. <clears throat> okay, here we go. You can do this for you, but you can also help others when, when they're open. You can't just go, you know, here's something, and we'll close with this. Outside of a manifestation of the Spirit, nobody's ever going to clear a hospital, and that's been said for years. I've heard it. Oh, I can't wait for the day that all, all the hospitals get emptied out. It never happened when Jesus was there. And we're taking on the image of him to do it like he did it. One time he went to Solomon's uh, porch and the place where, the pool, uh, where there were people that would get into the water, and uh, there were five porches with sick people, and he healed one and left and conveyed himself away. It said a multitude of people sick were there. But he only healed one and left. <clears throat> Remember, we're taking on his image. Did it mean Jesus didn't have the ability to help others? No. Some, somebody say, you mean he just would only help one? Well, that was a manifestation, and we'll talk about that later. But he could have preached and taught and got them ready through the power of the Word. But what I'm getting at is this. You've got the goods. Give them a shot. 